The opinions expressed in the following episode do not necessarily reflect those of the Minds of Madness podcast. Listener discretion is advised. July 28, 2019, was the day Menha Zaman was supposed to be graduating from Canada's York University. Instead, police were on their way to his parents' home for a welfare check. The call had been made by members of an online community after he'd sent them disturbing photos. When police arrived, a young man answered the door calmly, but what lay within the home revealed the true chaos that had erupted in his mind. Join me now as we uncover the case of the Zaman family. You'll learn how a hard-working, dutiful son of a proud immigrant family found himself in a situation so shameful he saw only one way out. Cold-blooded murder. The internet. A place where anyone can learn anything. Strangers around the world can connect. And creators can reach their unique audiences sharing content like never before. But for every benefit the internet provides us, there's dark corners where the depraved can also find an audience. Beginning around the early aughts, a disturbing trend has emerged online. People committing crimes and streaming them online, broadcasting them live to anyone unlucky enough to be watching. In 2008, a 25-year-old in Tokyo purposely crashed a rented truck into a shopping center, killing three people. He then continued his rampage by stabbing another 12, leaving seven dead and many more injured. The horrors of the Akihabara massacre were live-streamed by a bystander, drawing in an audience of between 1,000 and 3,000 people. This was one of the first live-streamed broadcasts of a murder online, but it wouldn't be the last. As the internet grew, so did the potential for mayhem, and eventually the worst possible scenario was realized. Not only were bystanders able to livestream horrific events, perpetrators began doing it themselves. On March 15, 2019, a 28-year-old Australian man released a disturbing manifesto online. 30 minutes later, he attacked two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand, shooting and killing 51 people and injuring 40 more. The attack was live-streamed on Facebook for 17 minutes and later uploaded onto sites like Reddit, YouTube, and LiveLeak. These murderous live-streamers took advantage of our social media-connected world to gain fame, notoriety, or to push their own twisted ideologies. But what happens when the person broadcasting their crimes is completely anonymous? This is exactly what happened on June 27, 2019, just outside of Toronto, Ontario. And it happened in an online gaming forum called The Perfect World Void. Perfect World is a massive multiplayer online role-playing game played by more than 35,000 people from all around the globe. Based on Chinese mythology, players first choose their character or their avatar, like human or winged elf, and then a class, like an archer or cleric. Similar to other games like World of Warcraft, the goal is to take on quests and level up, with your character becoming more and more powerful the more you play. Games like these can be addicting, and playing them can become a lifestyle. Many Perfect World players have dedicated years of their lives to their character and the fantasy world they occupy. But of course, one of the biggest draws to the game is interacting with other players online. Perfect World is so popular that on Discord, 
an instant messaging platform with over 350 million registered users. There's a server called Perfect World Void, dedicated entirely to the game. That's where a group of friends met a winged elf cleric called Menhas, an active player on the game's chat in its Discord server, frequently messaging the other players, and over time they got to know his personality. He had a particularly dark sense of humor, which he often used to troll other gamers, but everyone learned not to take him too seriously. They also got used to Menhez's habit of making wildly controversial statements. As a staunch atheist, he often vented his frustrations with the Muslim faith in no uncertain terms. Some users described his messages as obscenely racist. In fact, his account was even temporarily banned at one point for his racist insults. But what none of the gamers could have possibly known was that the people who were connected to him in the real world, his family and friends, knew a very different Menhez than the character he portrayed online. In the real world, he was practically the exact polar opposite. At home, Menhez was a devout Muslim and an exemplary son, somewhat of a golden child in the eyes of his parents, attending mosque with his father and helping maintain a respectful image for his family in the eyes of the community. Only time would tell which Menhez persona was authentic and which one was merely a character he'd been playing for the benefit of others. And it appeared that time had come. On July 27th, 2019, when Menhez sent other gamers a message in the Perfect World Discord chat, that was truly shocking, even coming from him. The message read, Gonna kill my parents and go to jail, yo. Not long after that, Menhez posted a photo. It was gruesome, showing an older Bengali woman lying face up on the floor in a pool of her own blood. Her throat had been brutally slashed and a bloody kitchen knife lay beside her. His next message simply read, this is my mom. None of the other gamers could believe what they were seeing. Was this just one of Menhez's sick pranks? Was it another attempt at trolling that had simply crossed the line? Or was it possible that it was real? In the real world, 23-year-old Menhez Zaman was the son of Bangladeshi immigrants who'd moved to Canada in the early 80s after an arranged marriage. Maniru Zaman and his wife Mamataj had immigrated with big dreams of the future, and each of them possessed the internal drive to make it happen. Menhaz and his sister Melissa had been born two years apart in 1996 and 1998, and became the first generation Canadian-born members of their family. To help raise the kids, their grandmother Faruza Begum also immigrated to Canada, and together they nurtured a traditional and respectable Bengali Muslim family, something especially important to Maniru's and Mamataj. And while the husband and wife shared similar goals, they had very different personalities. Maniru was the introvert, a serious, shy and hardworking taxi driver who enjoyed the occasional discussion about politics with friends. He was also a saver, and eventually stashed away enough money to purchase a family home in Markham, Ontario, as well as additional rental properties managed by Mamataj to bring in extra income. Mamataj was the extrovert, outgoing, friendly, and someone who loved to cook. She was generous and happy to do favors and buy gifts for people she loved, and also had a remarkable style, wearing bright colors and gold jewelry. But most of all, she was devoted to her family, ready to drop plans at a moment's notice to tend to her children. And although her and her husband seemed different in many ways, their principles were the same. Deep faith and family values, high expectations, a strong work ethic, and pride in their heritage. For their children, the Zamans only wanted the best. For them both to have stable careers, built on a foundation of a solid education. And as the children grew older, all signs pointed out to them being on the right track. Melissa, the youngest, planned on becoming a neurosurgeon and had the grades to back it up. 
Menhaz had his sights set on becoming a mechanical engineer, something his father was particularly proud of. Thrilled by the direction both children were heading in, Maniru and Mamatash couldn't help but brag about their accomplishments to friends in their close-knit community. And like their parents, Menhaz and his sister had very different personalities from each other as well. Menhaz took after his father, shy and private, mostly keeping to himself, avoiding social activities, preferring instead to stay home, doing chores around the house, eating lunches with his mother, and attending mosque with his father. Most of all, Menhaz loved playing Perfect World on his laptop, where his online life was exciting, unlike his real-world life of routine and monotony. After graduating high school, Menhaz was accepted into Toronto's York University, just a 25-minute drive from his home. To everyone looking in from the outside, the Zaman family seemed picture-perfect, but like any family, there were secrets, some darker than others. To achieve the goals they set out for their children, the Zamans were strict parents who employed harsh punishments. If Melissa didn't make it home in time for curfew, her father locked her out of the house, though her mother would secretly leave bedding for her in the unlocked basement suite if it wasn't being rented out by paying guests. In other instances, Melissa was physically disciplined, sometimes so severely that on several occasions, neighbors made reports to police. Sometimes Menhaz attempted to be the peacemaker, trying to intervene during arguments between his father and sister, but usually he simply retreated to his bedroom, opened up his laptop, and logged into Perfect World, the only place where he felt comfortable, the only place where he felt he could be himself. Online, he could be honest with his friends about his true feelings and beliefs. He could be an outspoken extrovert, and even though it may sound counterintuitive, online was the only place Menhez felt. He didn't have to pretend. But Menhez was keeping an even bigger secret from his parents than just changes in his personality or faith. A secret so big that if his parents ever found out, he believed it would shatter them. In 2019, Menhez's parents believed he was on the cusp of graduating from university with a degree in engineering. For four long years, they'd watched him catch the city bus in the morning and head off to classes. At the end of each day, he'd come home and talk about what he'd learned in class that day. And to his family, it appeared, Menhez was working hard, earning good grades, and about to become an engineer. He was going to make them proud. The reality was, Menhez wasn't as good at leveling up in the real world as he'd been online. In fact, he hadn't even really tried. Menhaz's grades from high school hadn't actually been good enough to get him into the engineering program at York University. Instead, he enrolled at another college, but failed his first semester, mostly due to skipping classes to play Perfect World. When the second semester proved to be just as disastrous, Menhez decided to drop out altogether, never telling his parents about any of it. A ruse he perpetrated for an unbelievable three and a half years. Every school day, Menhez acted like he was going to school, but instead of going to class, he spent his days hanging out at the Markville Mall playing Perfect World and occasionally going to the community gym. From the beginning, Menhez knew that at some point his charade would have to come to an end. He just never intended on them, ever learning the truth. Way back in 2015, Menhez had sent one of his gamer friends a message saying he had a secret, that he planned on killing his entire family the following April. But 2016 came and went, without Menhaz's parents ever finding out their boy was a dropout. And so messages like these only made the other gamers less and less likely to ever take anything he said seriously. But the years of living a double life had flown by, and soon it was 2019, and Menhaz was supposed to be graduating, a date he couldn't escape. 
That June, Menhez's parents celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary with not one, but two parties. The first a backyard gathering, the second a lavish event held at a convention center with 100 guests. At both events, Menhez continued the charade of being the perfect, dutiful son, giving a speech full of compliments to his parents, even creating a slideshow to entertain guests, never letting on that inside his own sanity was crumbling. And finally, the day of Menhez's graduation was on the horizon. It was July 27th. He told his parents he was graduating on the 28th. The gig was finally up. In Menhez's mind, he saw only two possibilities. Either his entire family would discover he shamed them by lying to their faces for the past four years, or he killed them all before they had a chance to find out. But Menhez didn't plan on doing it alone. He wanted an audience. So he turned to the only place he knew he was sure to get the attention. The perfect world void. And that's where he posted a picture of his recently murdered mother. Now I want you to imagine for a moment that you're at home playing your favorite video game and this very thing happens. Out of the blue, another player posts a photo of someone and it appears to be a murdered woman. The player who posts the photo tells everyone that it's his mom. What would you do? What would your first instinct be? Well, when Menhez posted that photo, the first instinct of most of the gamers was to assume he was just playing a sick practical joke, most likely reposting gruesome photos he'd found online somewhere in an attempt to troll the other players. Some of the other gamers even prided themselves on not falling for the prank, going so far as to make fun of the ones who actually believed it. But others weren't so sure. Soon, the game's administrators and moderators were flooded with messages telling them about what Menhez had posted. And then, he posted another photo. An even older woman laying face up on the floor beside the first victim. This time he told the group it was his grandmother and that just like his mother, her throat too had been slashed with the same kitchen knife. Still trying to determine if the photos Menhez was sending through were for real, one user tried a reverse image search to see if he'd just found the photo somewhere else on the internet, but the search came back empty. It was a sobering realization. If Menhez hadn't taken the photos from existing sources, it meant he most likely taken them himself. At this point, most of the gamers began realizing this wasn't a joke. They knew they were witnessing something catastrophic, that real people were being hurt, and they knew they had to do something, and fast. One of the game's administrators who lived in Texas decided to call his local police, but what could he really tell them? He didn't know Menhez's full name, and for that matter, wasn't sure if Menhez was even his real name at all. And beyond not knowing his name, he didn't have the first clue where Menhez lived. Menhez could literally be anywhere on Earth, in any city, in any country, or any continent. So when the administrator tried explaining the complicated situation to a police dispatcher, they basically laughed at him, dismissing the report, and hung up on him. Now realizing they wouldn't get any help from the police, the Perfect World Gamers decided to take matters into their own hands. They needed to find out who and where Menhez was, all the while still holding out hope. They were just caught in the middle of a very demented joke. Meanwhile, in a separate private group chat, away from Menhez, the gamers began assembling a very complicated puzzle. The only things they knew about his identity were things he told them in conversations online. So they began searching their previous conversation histories, which revealed he most likely lived somewhere in the Eastern Standard Time Zone. It wasn't great, but it was a start. But then Menhez sent another message, 
By now, he'd presumably already killed his mother and grandmother. But now, he was waiting for his sister to come home from work, when he planned to murder her as well. As the clock continued to tick, the users continued chatting with Menhez, hoping to find more clues to his identity. But tragically, the situation was unraveling at lightning speed, and there was nothing more anyone could do to stop it. Just before 11pm, Menhez logged in to Perfect World and actually began playing the game as if nothing had happened. As seconds, maybe minutes went by, gamers waited both in horror and anticipation for what Menhez might say next, and then he did. My sister is coming home in five minutes. Five minutes later, Menhez typed, BRB, be right back then logged off. With a sickening feeling of absolute helplessness, the gamers knew Menhez was most likely committing another murder at that very moment, and there was absolutely nothing any of them could do about it. They were temporary prisoners in Menhez's warped world. As the gamers waited for Menhez's next words, one of the game's administrators managed to track down the IP address for Menhez's account tracing it back to Toronto. But just when they thought they had him, they discovered the actual address only led them to an office building, headquarters to an internet service provider, not Menhez's home. Just then, Menhez posted another photo, only confirming everyone's worst fears. A photo of Menhez's younger sister, murdered in cold blood, just like the others. He then told them, She'd fought him for an entire 10 minutes before he finally got the upper hand. The gamers realized he must have attacked Melissa as soon as she entered the home because her name tag for work was still pinned on her shirt. Then Menhez started sending more photos through, one of a crowbar he'd used to bludgeon his sister and another of the bloody kitchen knife itself. And if that wasn't disturbing enough for the gamers, he then sent a selfie of himself, holding the kitchen knife he'd used to butcher his family beside his face. Menhez then told the other gamers he was still waiting for one more member of his family to come home. His father, he'd be home at midnight, less than an hour away. When someone from the chat asked Menhez why he would kill his father, Menhez replied, I need to end his life so he doesn't suffer knowing he raised a son who killed his entire family. As the clock continued ticking down to midnight, the gamers continued frantically trying to identify Menhez, and then midnight hit. Silence. They all knew Menhez's father was supposed to come home. What was Menhez going to message next? Shortly after midnight, he sent something through. A photo of his father, dead. He then sent through a message with the chilling reasoning behind what he'd done. Been planning this for three years. I started skipping uni the first year I entered. It was for mechanical engineering. Believe me, if I could rewind time, I would. But after failing half my subjects, I had to repeat my courses. It was here in second semester I started getting depressed. Became an atheist and ultimately created this plan. So for three years... I've been telling my parents I go to uni, when actually I was just hanging out at the mall four days a week. The mall is on the same route as my uni. I told my parents that my classes weren't that long, so I would just chill at the mall from 8am to 1pm, while also going to the community gym. I did this because I don't want my parents to feel the shame of having a son like me. I chose to kill them instead of my cowardice. Due to me being an atheist, this is the only life we get. I know it might sound confusing, but what's done is done, and what had been planned has been concluded. I'm sorry if this makes you upset. Please try and remember the good times. When a member asked, are you turning yourself in? Menhez responded, yes, of course. I deserve the punishment. Even after Menhez had completed his murder spree by killing all four members of his family, the Perfect World users continued trying to track him down so they could inform police. And then, Menhas himself gave them the key 
to their dilemma. He began offering to give away his money to his online buddies through his PayPal account, telling them, I won't need it where I'm going. When one user realized she could track Menhez's address using PayPal, she accepted a transfer for $18 around 3 a.m. on Sunday, July 28th, Toronto time. And there it was, Menhez's home address. By 3.45 a.m., she contacted the York Region Police and explained the situation. According to her, they assured her they'd do a wellness check later in the day. At 3.17 p.m. on Sunday, July 28th, there was finally a knock on the Zaman family's door. Just then, Menhez sent one final message to his friends on the Perfect World Void server. Police are here. Goodbye. It was almost exactly the time of day the Zaman family had envisioned watching Menhez walking across a stage wearing his cap and gown, receiving his degree in engineering. A scene that must have played out over and over again in their minds. A vision of triumph that kept them going through the long years of hard work and sacrifice. But that image turned out to be nothing more than a mirage, a dream that would never be realized. Instead, their lives ended tragically, in an utter nightmare, at the hands of the person they believed they were most proud of. When police knocked on the front door, Menhez opened it and told York investigators what they were going to find inside. Immediately, he was taken into custody, where police finally had the chance to find out whether it was an elaborate hoax or whether the 23-year-old with no criminal record really had murdered his family in cold blood. It didn't take long for police to discover the brutally slain bodies of Menhez's 70-year-old grandmother, Feruza, his 50-year-old mother, Mamatash, his 59-year-old father, Maniru, and his 21-year-old sister, Melissa. It was the worst possible case scenario and a tragedy no one wanted to believe. But Menhez had done it and willingly told authorities exactly what had happened. Sometime the day before, around 3 p.m., Menhez had murdered his mother first, followed by his grandmother, as they were taking a nap in the master bedroom. Incredibly, Menhez has spent the rest of the day playing video games, chatting on Discord, napping, and wasting time until the rest of his family came home. At 11 p.m., Menhez's sister came home from her shift at the local grocery store. Menhez ambushed her, murdering her in the guest bedroom. Finally, at midnight, Menhez's father came home from his taxi job and Menhez murdered him in his sister's bedroom. In the span of a day, an entire family was wiped out. The only surviving member was the one who perpetrated the crime. Each of the family members had been struck in the head, most likely with a crowbar, causing blunt force trauma, and then finished off by having their throats cut. For the family and friends of the Zaman family, it was completely unbelievable. Everyone had known Menhez as a sweet, caring boy who helped his mother carry in the groceries and was on the road to success. How could this be? Members of their community drove to the home on Castlemore Avenue and crowded behind the police tape, desperate for news. But all the calls and texts to the Zaman family's cell phones went unanswered. Although no one wanted to believe it, there was no denying the yellow crime scene tape and the flashing lights of police cars. It was just before 3 p.m. yesterday when our officers with York Regional Police were called to the residence that you see behind me here on Castlemore Avenue in Markham. It's just east of Mingay Avenue for a report that, were that there were possibly multiple people injured inside the residence. Uh, when our officers arrived, uh, they did find a man uh, at the front door of the residence. That man was taken into custody and has been held in custody ever since. Uh, shortly after that, our officers did go inside the residence and that's where they located uh, the bodies of four people, all deceased. I can tell you that those people were not transported to hospital. They were all deceased at the scene. Uh, last night was a very active and ongoing investigation inside the house. The coroner did attend, uh, as well as officers from our forensic identification unit. I can tell you that this scene is going to be held for quite some time as there's a lot of work uh, for our forensic identification to be doing inside the residence here. 
I'd also like to update at this time that the man that we do have in custody has now been charged. Uh, he's 23-year-old Menhaz Zaman, last name is spelled Z-A-M-A-N, 23 years old from the city of Markham, now facing four charges of first-degree murder. As impossible as it seemed, Menhaz Zaman had joined the ranks of a very particular type of killer known as a family annihilator. But when it came to other broadcast killers who streamed their crimes online, Menhaz was different. It didn't seem like he'd done it for the fame or notoriety. He'd done it because his online friends were the only people he could truly be honest with, the only ones who understood him, and the only ones he felt comfortable revealing his true self to, no matter how dark. Without assessing Menhaz Zaman, it's difficult to know for certain exactly what internal and external factors came into play for Menhaz to annihilate his entire family. However, Dr. Amate is here to help us look at some possible contributing factors. It's important to point out, Dr. Amate has never spoken with or assessed Menhaz or anyone else involved in the case. His insights are purely speculative. Having said that, Dr. Amate is a registered psychologist who specializes in abnormal psychology and human sexuality and has taught at five different universities over the past 20 years in various areas of psychology. Most people can't fathom anyone doing something as atrocious, as evil, as killing the entire family, what we call familicide, or these people are called family annihilators. And I do not know Mr. Menaz Zamad personally. I have not assessed him in any way. I've uh, read about and listened to his case. So I am speculating on his motivations because there are several profiles. There are several reasons and factors uh, that can help explain why somebody would do something so evil. Dr. Amate also wants to make it perfectly clear. Explanation doesn't mean justification. When there are monsters walking around us, it's easier to compartmentalize and say, well, it's just a monster. It's not a normal person. It can't happen to me. I would never find myself, you know, in the company of monsters. But the fact is that calling them monsters oversimplifies and doesn't do any good to the rest of society. We have to understand what kind of a person could do these kinds of things. Now, the monster ex explanation would apply to a psychopath or a sociopath. But I would say that a psychopath, simply speaking, is someone we believe is born that way. They are born without a conscience. They are born without the capacity to care about what's right and what's wrong. They know what is right and what is wrong. They just do not care. They are able to inflict the worst kind of harm, whether it's financial, emotional, psychological, or physical harm on somebody without any compunction. The psychopath or monster explanation, in Dr. Amate's view, doesn't seem to hold water in the case of Menhez Zaman. I have not seen anything that would make me think that Mr. Zaman happens to be a psychopath. There was no pattern of that. But he did seem, let's say, disturbed. And many people have uh, confusion between psychopaths and someone who is psychotic. Someone who is psychotic is somebody who has lost touch with reality. They've had a break from reality. And in that moment, they cannot discern right from wrong. I have not seen anything that would make me think he's psychotic. And the reason I mention these two types, the psychopath and, the, and someone who's going through psychosis, is that those are two explanations for why somebody could do something as horrible as familicide. But if Menhez wasn't a psychopath or psychotic at the time he murdered his family, what can explain a person taking such extreme measures that seem utterly incomprehensible to the rest of us. What I see in this case is somebody who, at the very least, was harboring a lot of shame. So much shame that he couldn't bear to be exposed and revealed, even to his own family. Again, this is all speculation because no one knows exactly what went on behind closed doors prior to uh, Mr. Zaman's unthinkable crimes. But it's possible that, for whatever reason, the shame was so great that he would rather or felt he had no option but to commit something that most people would consider even far more shameful than not getting the degree that he was supposed to 
have been getting, wiping out your family basically, is far more shameful. But in his state of mind at the time, apparently, he found that path, familicide, more palatable. While Dr. Amate sees no evidence that Menhez was in the grips of what he'd call true psychosis, he does see parallels with another phenomenon called disassociation. Depending on the severity of it, it can mimic psychosis in the sense that the person does not seem to be present. I have had that happen numerous times within my therapy sessions where somebody gets triggered and they are no longer there. If physically they are, but you can see that cognitively they are not. That's the most extreme version of uh, dissociation. However, there are varying degrees of dissociation, and this is more colloquial, but where the person is compartmentalizing a part of their experience. So they know what they're doing. If you ask them, why did you do it? They might say, I don't know, but they definitely could say, I know I did it. And it seems like Mr. Zaman maybe was in that kind of a state. Again, I want to make it clear. There's nothing to indicate that he was in psychosis and there was nothing to indicate that he was dissociating to the point that he did not have mens rea or did not have the capacity to know right from wrong. One of the reasons Dr. Amate warns against simply calling people monsters is that it ignores a very inconvenient truth. The ability for humans to cognitively compartmentalize in this way is far more common than we'd like to believe. Humans, we can lie to ourselves. We can convince ourselves of certain things, or we can put ourselves in a state of mind that even though rationally and logically, we can look back and say, what the heck was I doing? And you can say that I knew what I was doing, but in that moment, you were able to compartmentalize a part of yourself that would normally say, do not do this. But I have heard other people doing far less heinous activities than what Mr. Zaman did, but they described something similar. Once again, they knew what they were doing, but they switched off a part of the brain for lack of a better word, and they were able to engage in this out of character behavior. It explains how and why so many people can do things that seem so out of character. And I would argue that the most common example of this is somebody who has never shown any uh, tendencies to cheat or to step out of a relationship, but suddenly does so. They knew what they were doing. They knew that it was wrong, but somehow they could convince themselves that it's either okay for them to do it, or they're not the kind of person who would do this kind of thing. And I'm not sure what's going on, but that's not me. It's just, it's something I'm doing. And again, I'm not making any excuses for someone's behavior, but I'm trying to help explain how the irrational always has a rational explanation. When a person is under extreme forms of stress, they are far more susceptible to experiencing phenomena like disassociation or other types of internal responses or behaviors. In the case of Menhez, the stresses revolving around his feelings of shame were immense. But Dr. Amate also believes that his addiction to online gaming may have also helped pave the way. Virtually anybody put in a certain situation with the right circumstances, with the right uh, maybe people or motivation or state of mind could do things that you would never imagine them doing. Now, most people will not actually kill their entire family. But again, to be able to recognize that anybody could do some of the most horrific acts imaginable is a more valuable lesson than to simply say he must have been a monster. And in this particular case, the fact that he spent so much time online, I believe made it easier for him to compartmentalize or frame his activities as almost like a game. And it might sound ridiculous, but people do this. They frame things in ways that make it easier for them either to do what they're doing at the moment or subsequently to sleep better at night. And the way he was describing it, it almost did seem like he was role-playing, putting himself in that state to say, it's just a game. These are just characters. Even that level of disconnect or dissociation may have been sufficient for him to be able to do the physical acts that he did. To explain the different psychological profiles of a potential family annihilator, 
Dr. Amate has so far discussed psychopathy, psychosis, and disassociation, but there's another condition he wanted to address as well. Another cousin of psychopathy or psychopaths is narcissistic personality disorder. Now, that as a disorder is one thing, but many people have narcissistic traits and somebody who is able to act without considering the impact on others, somebody who has a grandiose sense of self to the point that, that he would rather murder his family than be exposed for the, the let's say, the quote-unquote failure that he may have seen himself as. Those are traits of a narcissist, and there are different types of narcissists. One specific type of narcissism that may be relevant in the case of Menhez is called vulnerable narcissism. And I don't like that term because all narcissists are vulnerable. But this type that they are describing is somebody who has that grandiose sense of self. They believe that they are far superior to who they really are. But unlike other types of narcissists, they don't actually do anything. They are not usually charming, outgoing, gregarious. They're not successful in almost any uh, sense of the word. But in their mind, they want to see themselves as far better than they really are. Most people, when they hear the word narcissist, tend to think of a person with an unreasonably high opinion of themselves. But this is actually only half of the story. They have a huge discrepancy in what we call explicit self-esteem, which is how somebody wants to see him or herself and how they present themselves to others versus implicit self-esteem, which is how they really feel about themselves. Now, all narcissists have that huge discrepancy. They spent their entire lives basically unconsciously masking or disconnecting themselves, dissociating themselves from that. They're not even aware of how poorly they think of themselves. And they do everything in their power unconsciously to compartmentalize that part of themselves and to live this lie. So when they're exposed or when they're at risk of exposure, when somebody could, or they themselves could see who they really are, what they really are, that is what we call narcissistic insult. And it's terrifying for them. And sometimes they'll go into narcissistic rage to cover it up. Other times they're able to contain it better, but they will eventually go after anybody who dares expose them. We have no way of knowing the exact dynamics within the Zaman household, but if Menhez was indeed a vulnerable narcissist, the impending exposure of his carefully crafted lies would serve as the narcissist insult. And in this case, even if his family had done nothing wrong, and I don't know, I have no idea how they are as parents and family members and grandparents and a sister, but even if they had done nothing wrong, if he projected his own insecurity onto them, if he projected his own self-loathing onto them, then he would think that they have that same disdain for him that he unconsciously and maybe somewhat consciously had for himself. And so his rage, the narcissistic rage, could have been manifested in this horrific crime that he committed. Most narcissists, they will not act out that severely, but they can act quite terribly once again, when they feel threatened, when their fragile ego, fragile sense of self is, um, is at risk, and they'll do anything to cover it up. Without directly assessing Menhez Zaman himself, Dr. Amate is in no way diagnosing him or even making the claim he's even a narcissist. Rather, he's simply offering possible explanations of how Menhez may have been able to do the horrible things he did. I'm trying to explain so that other people can understand why someone might do something, we hope, not as heinous as what he did. But even if it was something that was unbelievable, unfathomable, it does help us understand the human condition. It helps us understand why people act the way that they do in these situations. And again, it's not about just monsters walking among us. It's about knowing that everybody has a dark side. Everybody has a shadow and under certain circumstances or under the right conditions and with the right factors present, anybody can do almost anything. But on the other hand, there are certain actions that virtually nobody would do regardless of the circumstances or conditions or factors. 
And in those cases, we have to look at the individual, look at his personality, his psychological profile, his history. Maybe there's trauma. Maybe there is a brain injury. Maybe there's some genetic component that makes him capable of doing something that virtually nobody else could do. In September of 2020, 24-year-old Menhez Zaman pled guilty to three counts of first-degree murder for the killing of his grandmother, father, and sister, and one count of second-degree murder for the killing of his mother. He was given the second-degree charge for murdering his mother because she was the first victim of the attacks, meaning it could have brought into question whether her murder was premeditated or a tragic spur-of-the-moment decision. By pleading guilty, a trial was avoided and no witnesses would have to be called to relive the horrific events and loss of their loved ones. In Canada, first and second degree murder charges carry automatic life sentences, but when there are multiple murders to consider, the judge has to decide whether the sentences are served concurrently at the same time or consecutively one after the other. The judge certainly didn't seem inclined to take a lenient approach to Menhez's crimes and had harsh words for the convicted killer. The betrayal of trust involved in these crimes is enormous. Mr. Zaman executed four unsuspecting family members in their own home. It defies understanding that while his mother and grandmother lay upstairs in their own blood, Mr. Zaman played video games and napped to pass the time, apparently untroubled as he lay in wait to slay his sister and father in the same manner. In a surprising turn of events, Menhaz's attorney and the prosecution jointly requested a 25-year sentence for the first-degree murders of his grandmother, his sister, and his father, followed by a 15-year sentence without the possibility of parole for the second-degree murder of his mother. This would mean that Menhez wouldn't be eligible for parole for 40 years and would be 64 before he could even apply. The judge was in agreement and handed down the sentence in October of 2020. In addition, Menhez would be required to join the DNA registry and face a 10-year weapons ban if he's ever released from prison. He also received a no-contact order for 13 people, most likely members of his family. Menhez attended a virtual courtroom via Zoom from the Central East Correctional Center in Lindsay, Ontario, and made a brief statement. I'm not sure who this is going to reach, but I would like to apologize to anyone I have impacted negatively with my actions, especially to the people who knew my family, friends, and loved ones, who I know could have never seen something like this from me happening. I'm sorry. Menhaz Zaman continues to serve his prison time in Lindsay, Ontario, and won't be eligible for parole until 2060. No one who knew Menhaz in person could have predicted the shocking events of July 27, 2019. The Zaman family's former tenant, who lived right below them in their basement suite for years, was quoted by the Toronto Star saying, Menhaz was such a nice, quiet, calm guy. I saw that guy all the time helping his parents. She fondly remembers the Zaman family and how they were good landlords to her, sharing food and talking with her regularly. The Toronto Star also reported that members of the Perfect World Void created a post in recognition of the work their members did to bring Menhez to justice. We thank the anonymous player who had the cleverness to trace Menhez's address and the braveness to immediately report it to local cops. Thanks to this act, it is highly possible some lives have been saved. In the local Bangladeshi Canadian community, people are still trying to come to terms with the tragic quadruple murder that has left them reeling. Traditional immigrant parents are raising modern children in a Western environment, and it's an added struggle beyond the already difficult dynamics that all families face. At a Vision Infinite Foundation seminar held not long after the murders, experts were on hand to help parents and their children learn to communicate effectively. According to the Toronto Star, 
a family friend of the Zamans, had found perhaps the only real defense against such a tragedy as the one perpetrated by Menhez Zaman. She's spending more time with her son. Sometimes we don't realize just how much we've missed out on until a tragedy strikes and we're left with overwhelming heartbreak. If we can take the time to truly, sincerely, deeply understand the people we love, not only will we make cherished memories to last a lifetime, but we just might avoid those tragedies in the first place. I'd like to give a special thank you to Dr. Orrin Amate for sharing his insights in this episode. If you'd like to hear more about his work, we've provided links in our episode notes. Follow The Minds of Madness on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To support the show and get access to ad-free episodes, extra content, and Patreon-exclusive episodes, go to patreon.com slash madnesspod. To find us on Instagram and Facebook, search The Minds of Madness, and on Twitter using the handle at MadnessPod. And also, by checking out our sponsors and using our promo codes, you're also helping support the show. We've got all the links in our episode notes. So until next week, thanks for listening. <laughs>